Hello, Texas fans. This is the Longhorn Confidential for Thursday, January 28th. I'm Danny Davis of the Austin American Statesman. As always, I'm joined on Thursday to talk recruiting by Mr. Mike Craven. Mike, say hello to the people. How's it going, everybody? Mike, um, if we were recording this podcast on Sesame Street, the word of the week would be reoffer. Um, as Steve Sarkeesian's newly assembled staff has hit the recruiting trail, I guess online, they're not actually out and about. You know, a handful of commits who have previously committed to the staff that was led by Tom Herman, they've taken to Twitter, Instagram, whatever online platform they have to announce that they've gotten another scholarship offer from the Longhorns, a reoffer, if you will. So um, it seems pretty self-explanatory, Mike, but what is a reoffer and why should I care that a, a, a recruit is saying Texas has reoffered me and, you know, they're being considered again? Yeah, I mean, everybody needs to remember that recruiting is about fit, and uh, it's not necessarily about who the best prospect is. So uh, there may be a guy out there, like let's just say, there may be a defensive end out there uh, that a staff that likes to run a three-man front really, really likes, and he's a really good football player. But he may not uh, match with what a a four-down lineman defense wants to run. So just because Tom Herman's staff uh, wanted to offer a player at one of those positions – uh, doesn't mean this new staff does. And I don't know if that necessarily means they think that player is better or worse. It's just about do they think that player would fit into their system? Is he as high on their recruiting board? And so you're going to see this staff and, and every new staff that takes over a new job kind of go and, and look at the guys who already have offers and decide, okay, should we extend an offer from us and, and kind of restart that process and let them know uh, that we're high on them? Or should we kind of hold off on that and see see where things lie with some of our top targets before we initiate contact with some guys who may have had offers from the previous staff that they're not as high on now. Now, is there a risk that this new staff has in not reoffering a player? Uh, you know, let's say you know commit A had an offer from Texas for a year or so. You know, this is his dream school, yada yada yada. And Texas Steve Sarkeesian staff comes in and says, "We're going to pass." You know. Do they run the risk of alienating themselves and kind of that tight-knit high school, Texas high school football community? Or do people kind of understand that this is the game, this is the new staff, and everyone's starting from scratch? I think for the most part, everybody understands that this is the game. And we got to remember, it's, it's 11 months until the early signing period for this group. So it'd be different if this was December 1st and he had just taken over and there's a few weeks left until signing day, and now he's pulling offers or not letting guys commit to – to what they thought were offers. That would be uh, bad PR and something that I think Texas high school football coaches would get upset about. This is so early in the process. And, and a lot of these offers from even Herman staff weren't uh, committable on the spot yet either. And so I, I think every single year recruits get smarter and smarter about how this process works. They, they grow up with it on social media. They watch it happen to the older guys. They kind of, they kind of understand what it is now. I think for the most part, they get it. Uh, I think what it does do is it takes away some of the guesswork. If you're a a quarterback who had an offer from Texas and you're starting to see uh, some other guys start saying, hey, we're getting re-offered by the staff and you haven't gotten that call, you probably know where you stand. And so in that way, maybe if, you know, one or or two of those guys, they don't make a point to re-offer right now, maybe in six, seven months, if they would, if they circle back and go, okay, maybe we, we want this kid. Maybe that leaves a sour taste in their mouth. Uh, but you now recruiting is recruiting. The kids know what's going on. The coaches know what's going on. 
And it's just one of those things where they're going to work through the channels again and almost just start over in the 2022 cycle compared to what Tom Herman and that previous staff did. Because it, it's long enough out to not have to take a flyer on a kid that you don't necessarily want. Um, Process-wise, do you think this is kind of an easier process for Steve Sarkeesian since he's coming from Alabama, you know, a bunch of his assistants are coming from Alabama. Texas is Texas. So these are two kind of marquee programs. So I imagine we're probably recruiting a lot of the same kids. There's probably not, you know, a whole, there's the, the Venn diagrams probably overlap a little bit when it comes to recruiting at those two schools. Yeah, sure. And, you know, they know who the best players in the state are. And, and Brian Carrington's there to help with that kind of stuff too. There's, there's some other assistants on the staff that had already been, you know, working the state of Texas and probably putting together a target board that Jeff Banks does a lot of recruiting in Houston for Alabama before he came over. So there's plenty of knowledge on the ground on kind of who the top two or three guys are at each position group. They're going to go through each of those and offer those guys, get them excited about uh, having an offer from Texas again. And then probably, you know, two or three guys that each of the position coaches are, are, uh, are liking. I, I think what this staff's going to do is, is offer more guys. Now, Tom Herman wanted every single offer to be important and for there to be a scarcity of Texas offers out there. This staff is just going to offer guys. You know, if, if, a posi- if, if Bo Davis likes a defensive lineman, he's going to offer him. And so I don't know if we should pay attention as much to offers with this group as maybe we did with the last staff because they're going to do it more. Uh, like Alabama does it every year, and that's kind of machine gun recruiting where they offer everybody they're interested in. And that way that can't be held against them later on going, oh, well, so and so offered me before y'all did. They're just going to get that offer out there and then uh, deal with the commitment stuff later. Now, of the reoffers that we've seen online, um, who's kind of the most notable? We've seen Cade Klubnik, uh, you know, get his reoffer out there, the quarterback from Westlake, Bryce Anderson, Terrence Brooks, uh, Devin Campbell, I believe, yes- yesterday, the five-star offensive lineman, shocker, to, you know, Texas would still want him. On, on their campus, he announced his reoffer. So, who's kind of the most notable name you've seen um, among the reoffers? I mean, for me, it's going to be a quarterback. It's going to be Cade Klubnik. You know, uh, there's a couple guys there uh, holding Texas offers. If you look at 24/7 rivals and stuff like that, uh, but the fact that this new staff got on campus and pretty much immediately made sure he knew that he was still part of their plans here at Texas and that. You know, they'd like him to be here and stuff. I think that just really cemented his status as the second-best quarterback in the state for 2022 behind Quinn Ewers, and that this Texas staff knows if they can't get back into the Quinn Ewers sweepstakes, uh, keeping Cade Klubnik as close as possible uh, is probably the best bet for them moving forward. Now, one name – you can correct me if I'm wrong, but one um, commit or one recruit I have not seen – uh, say he's had a reoffer is uh, Jalen Gilbo, the Port Arthur Memorial defensive back. Now he's significant because he is actually technically committed to Texas. He committed to Tom Herman back in September. He is technically one of two commits in this 2022 class with um, Armani Winfield, the receiver who committed to uh, Steve Sarkeesian right after that coaching change. So um, what does that mean from Jalen? Is he just not announcing his reoffer or is he maybe on, on the outs? Yeah, I mean, I don't know for sure uh, on this one, but I, I'd imagine he's been told by the staff that he, you know, he has a spot. He's still committed. I, I think he would have backed away already if it was one of those things where the staff came in and, and didn't want him to be a part of the class. I think that conversation would have already happened. Uh, but he is posting offers he's receiving from other schools, and he hasn't done that in a while. And so I think that is a sign that he's at least looking around, and it would be smart for him to do so. I don't know 
how much uh, contact he had had with this staff when they were at Alabama. I don't know how high they are on him at this moment. So uh, he's going he's gonna to take a step back and look around. He's going to keep his commitment to Texas if, you know, while he's doing so. Uh, but I, I think he will uh, listen to other programs and kind of go through that process again because this is all new. You know, the type of defense he'd be signing up to play for is new. The assistant coach he would be uh, playing for, the position is new. So uh, I think for him, while it does say he's committed to, this, to Texas, uh, I would not uh, hold that as a firm commitment. I think it's one of those things where um, you kind of look around and you start that process over uh, to get to know different coaches and kind of see where your best fit would be. And if that is Texas, great. Uh, if not, I think he'll go and make that decision to find another place. Okay, Mike, those reoffers we just talked about, those are 2022 recruits. Um, there's still about a week left in this 2021 recruiting cycle. The second signing period kicks off next week. Um, so let's kind of check in on some of the recruits that Texas is still chasing, uh, some recruits we may, we may see in burnt orange in the fall. Um, Sci-fi running back LJ Johnson, we've talked about him plenty. Um, kind of from what um, you've reported, from what you know has been kind of known, it's kind of between Texas and Texas A&M, it seems. And so I'm curious, does Keontae Ingram's decision to transfer to USC help LJ Johnson, or does that, does that hurt because it just kind of further establishes that Bajon Robinson is the man here, here on the 40 acres? and maybe those carries aren't available. Yeah, I mean, I think it helps. You know, that's one less guy uh, for A&M to say is in their rotation. Now Texas can kind of say, look, Bashan Robinson, Rashawn Johnson, and then you. You know, that's going to be our three-headed monster going into next year. Um, A&M's got two guys, uh, you know, A-Chain and, and Isaiah Spiller also, uh, really good football players there, a running back for them too. So I think depth charts – are pretty much the same there. Now, he, what's interesting about LJ is he, he wanted to enroll early. The whole cycle, he talked – I mean, he did everything possible to graduate early. I think he did graduate early from high school. Uh, but time's ticking on when you got to enroll. And so I think most of us who have been following this assumed early January, middle of January at the latest because he was going to have to start classes. The further and further this goes, if this goes all the way to National Signing Day, now, he may not have a chance to early enroll. He may be looking at kind of taking the spring semester off and then going in in the summer. I think that's caused a little frustration for, for coaching staffs at Texas and Texas A&M because they simply, you know, they, they just need to know if they have a player or not at that position. Um, and, and they wanted him to come in in the spring and, and do spring practice and get in the weight and conditioning programs. So it's kind of been a weird saga. You know, 2021 has been interesting. I, I think it's one of those where, he truly is torn. He'd like to get to both campuses in a normal way, but he just can't. He took a, a student visit to A&M to look around on his own dime. I'd imagine he's doing one uh, to Texas either this weekend or next weekend before National Signing Day. So uh, one of those where I think everybody's guessing right now. Anybody in the recruiting beat who tells you for sure they know what LJ Johnson's doing, I think is guessing. And so uh, for me, it's 50-50 between Texas, Texas A&M. And they both kind of have pluses and minuses on each side of the ledger to sell to him in the last week or two. Um, speaking of running backs, Kamar Wheaton, Lakefield, Lakeview Centennial, very good uh, young running back. He is technically an Alabama commit, but is there a chance that uh, he decides to follow his former offensive coordinator to Texas and become a Longhorn? Yeah, he didn't sign. You know, a lot of these guys signed, like Brock Myers and Jalen Milroe. We talked about that in early January. You know, Sarkeesian can't get back in on those guys because they've signed national letters and tents. Kamar Wheaton uh, committed to Alabama, but he is not signed. And so uh, I've imagined Texas has kicked those tires. I don't know how realistic that is. This LJ Johnson uh, story kind of lingering on and Texas still having some hope in it, I think has prevented them 
uh, from really putting a full-court press on Kamar. And I just don't know with basically a week left if there's enough time to really get that flip in. But they'll try. If LJ, if, the, if behind the scenes Texas knows LJ Johnson is going to Texas A&M, then they'll undoubtedly uh, get with Kamar and see uh, how that can work out or if it can work out. Um, let's go to the defensive side of the football. Uh, Mansfield Legacy has a defensive end. David Abaria, I'm sorry, I probably mispronounced that name, but uh, what's kind of his deal? Is there a chance he could be in this 2021 class at UT? Yeah, I mean, I think he probably has the safest bet to be a part of this class. He was a one-time Notre Dame commit, an edge rusher. It's clear that this staff got on campus and identified defensive end, outside linebacker as the spots that need to be uh, addressed the most immediately. Uh, We saw Garfield Lawrence uh, get an offer. Uh, from Tyler Legacy, he committed to Houston on Wednesday. And, and a lot of that was, you know, they have one less spot now after they took uh, the Notre Dame transfer the other day. So uh, I would imagine David uh, Abarie uh, ends up as part of the class. He was a one-time Fab 55 uh, guy. And a really, uh, he's a good four-star player, defensive end, a, a solid add uh, this late in the cycle if Texas can, in fact, close with him. And finally, Mike Parrish, Episcopal offensive lineman, Austin Uke. Uh, what is his deal? Is there a chance he's, he becomes a Longhorn? Yeah, I think Texas, Stanford are the two schools uh, favorited there. About a week left. He's going to sign on National Sign Day, so we'll all get to find that out Wednesday. I think Texas is in a good spot. Bringing in Kyle Flood has really helped the Longhorns here. Uh, it's going to come down to uh, whether Stanford can win out with the academics. Texas no slouch, obviously, uh, with academics. But when you have a chance to go play, uh, football at Stanford and get a free ride at Stanford, uh, that, that degree can be worth a lot of money. So I, I think he's torn on that one. If he wants to stay at home and he really likes Kyle Flood, I think Texas is the team to beat. A couple of quick hitting recruiting thoughts I'd like to get from you. You kind of addressed um, one of them earlier, but do you think this uh, new Texas staff, staff is going to be really deliberate and conservative um, with its offers? Tom Herman was very proud of the fact that, you know, they only offered – X amount, that number was usually kind of low. Or is it going to be they're going to offer a ton of people and they'll figure it out uh, on National Signing Day? I think it's going to be in between, but I lean towards more offers. Um, They're going to have to do a fine line here because at Texas you do have to kind of pay attention to, you know, not leading guys on and and not burning bridges with some Texas high school football coaches. Say you offer a quarterback, he really wants to go. Uh, to Texas, but you're not ready to take that commit because you want someone else. That can get a little interesting. Alabama didn't have to worry about burning as many of those bridges, one, because it's Alabama, and two, because they do so much recruiting out of state. But they're not going to be like Tom Herman. There's not going to be the same hierarchy. You know, with Herman, it was interesting. Like, say say Oscar Giles liked a defensive tackle under Tom Herman. He'd have to first go to the defensive coordinator, see if the defensive coordinator also liked the player. Then they'd have to go – uh, to the head coach and see if the head coach liked it. Then, then there would eventually be a sign-off to the offer. I think these guys under Sarkeesian will be given um, enough rope to give themselves offers, you know, to say, hey, I like this guy at my position. I'm going to go ahead and extend them. Uh, because, frankly, the way the kids react to this stuff is changing. They want offers early. They look at it as, I didn't get an offer from Texas, but I got an offer from A&M three weeks ago. They, they, knew, they knew what they wanted in me. They liked me. They believed in me, et cetera, et cetera. I think they're going to try to avoid that. They're going to offer as many guys as they feel like they need to, and I don't think they're going to slow play it as much as the old staff did. And, you know, what are your thoughts on how Steve Sarkeesian has kind of assembled his coaching staff and his support staff? There are some, 
you know, leftover names from um, Tom Herman, Staff Andre Coleman, Stan Drayton. You brought in some, you know, people like Blake Gideon who played football in the state and, you know, went to Texas. Uh, Bo Davis is coming back to Texas. I'm sure he has some Texas ties. And then, you know, you have the, that lot of um, Alabama coaches coming in. So you can kind of, you know, flash those resumes and, you know, impress the, the parents and recruits and high school coaches that way. So it seems like Steve Sarkeesian's kind of put together a nice little mix. Uh, there's some NFL ties in, on his coaching staff. So what do you think about the assembly of that staff and will that work when it comes to recruiting? I think he did an excellent job. You know, he, he doesn't have the natural Texas ties himself. And so he went and hired him, you know, with Jeff Banks and Bo Davis, uh, keeping Stan Drayton around, keeping Carrington around so far, it seems like. Uh, I think those were all smart moves to kind of ease that transition in there, to get him a foothold within the state with guys who are already trusted uh, by the coaches around the state. And he did a good job of hiring the best guys he could find, not just guys he was familiar with or had coached with or were friends with and hung out with, uh, but guys who he thinks are, are really good coaches who will elevate the program. And I don't know if Tom Herman did that as much. It seems like he was a very insular guy who liked to work with people he already knew. It seems like Sarkeesian's willing to kind of go out and take a chance on somebody who thinks is a, he thinks is a really good coach. I think that stuff pays off. I think the uh, ties within the state get a little overrated at times. If Texas is doing really good on the football field, they're going to do really good on the recruiting trail. If Texas is doing really bad on the, on the football field, they're not going to do so well on the recruiting trail. So Sarkeesian just needs to come in and win. And if he does that and the coaches take care of business, I, I think they'll, they'll end up doing really well on the recruiting trail, whether or not they've recruited in Texas before. All right, before we get out of here, let's do our, you know, stop at Craven's Corner. The football season's winding down. Uh, you know, there's not a lot to bet on football-wise, but there's one rather big game. That's Super Bowl 55, Kansas City, Tampa Bay. Uh, last line I saw, Mike, was the Chiefs by three, the defending champs uh, favored over Tom Brady's crew. Uh, who are you taking? Your, your Craven's Corner column runs in the third paper on Thursday. So I'm sure next week uh, that's going to be all Super Bowl all the time. But, you know, who are you taking right now? Kind of initial initial thoughts. Yeah, this is tough for me because, you know, I'm a, I'm a sports better that likes to stick to a couple of rules. I have some steadfast rules, and I try to just play them out in the averages. Tom, not betting against Tom Brady in the playoffs and not betting against Patrick Mahomes at all have been pretty good rules for me over the last few years that have made me a decent amount of money. They're colliding right now. I'm going to have to pick one. I think I'm leaning towards Kansas City minus three. I'd probably buy a half point and get that to my, minus two and a half. Uh, so I could win if, if they win by a field goal in overtime or something like that. But um, it's tough. You know, Tom Brady playing really well in the playoffs. I think, you know, won seven straight games or something like that since like week 11. Um, you know, looked dominant against Aaron Rodgers and then beat Drew Brees, beat a pretty good Washington team. Kansas City is just so tough. I mean, even they fall behind by 10 points and they still win by double digits points and they feel like they do it every single week in the playoffs. So, I'm probably leaning towards Mahomes because I'm a homer and I, I love me some Patrick Mahomes, but uh, it's going to be a good game, a good game and one that I understand if, if somebody disagrees and wants to go bet on Tom Brady in the Super Bowl because I, I also uh, tend to do that as well. Now, do you like any prop bets? or prop bets something you, you like to do or do you stay away from those and just bet on the action on the field, the real action? Yeah, I, I'm more of an action better. I, I stay away from prop bets. I think prop bets are for people who don't bet on 
stuff all the time. I mean, I, I do it so much that it's hard for me to like risk money on something I, I don't know about when I spend all year, you know, thinking about this stuff. Um, so I, I tend to stay away from it. Um, uh, but I understand why people, why people get on it. Um, I always, my favorite one to always monitor is like over and under on the, uh, national anthem. Cause I just don't understand how the person singing the national anthem isn't aware of what the time is and tries to go under or over himself. I still don't understand how that one's allowed inside casinos. Yeah. If I, if I knew uh, the person singing, I think it's a duet this year, but I'd, I'd be definitely asking, asking some questions to try to get absolutely a little, a little like, Hey, it'd be uh, really nice for all of us. If you could keep this under two minutes and two seconds, you know what I mean? Just, I, I feel like a lot of that could be going on. A lot of uh, friends back home calling in favors. Um, yeah. As I said, the Cravens Corner column runs in the newspaper on Thursdays. It's online on Wednesdays. Mike also has his dotted line columns that run throughout the week. Uh, this week, he talked about the Texas running back room. It's one of the running backs uh, that Texas is looking at. That was Monday. Tuesday, talked about the Big 12's less than stellar uh, national perception when it comes to recruiting. Wednesday, he's tracking all the transfers to and from Texas this offseason. And Thursday, today, um, he wrote about t- the tight end position and kind of what that is going to look like going forward as uh, Steve Sarkeesian starts recruiting that position. So, Mike, is there anything else you're working working on uh, this week or these next couple of days? Or are you just getting ready for signing day next week? Just getting ready for signing day next week. We'll be back on Monday with kind of a, a look at what's left for Texas after this weekend. I think we'll have a better idea of what's going on with LJ and a few other of the remaining targets. And then after that, it's just kind of counting down towards National Signing Day, which has become a little bit more uneventful because of the early signing period. And it's straight into 2022. On, on National Signing Day, we'll release the uh, first Fab 55 for 2022 and kind of keep going on those uh, position units, kind of looking at what is already on campus and what Sarkeesian needs to try to add in his first real class. All right. So, uh, yeah, a little programming note. We will be back next Wednesday to talk signing day. Hopefully there is something for us to talk about, whether it's uh, one of those uh, four um, recruits we just talked about. Texas, I do believe, has one um, commit, um, a, a player committed that could could end up signing next week. So we'll be there. We'll have something to talk about next week on, on Wednesday, but check back with us uh, next week to talk about that. Um, don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store or on the Google Podcast app. We sure do appreciate that. Thanks for tuning in each week. And We'll talk to you later. Bye. Peace.